so much of this depends on the generation of the executive leadership team because the older school people mm. want people back in the office and they're claiming that they've got to maintain the culture. And I want to say, what culture is it you're trying to maintain? the importance of women in our lives is 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 critical and can enable and uh, help us every step of the way hello everyone welcome to power up women a multi-generational conversation about leadership power gender and social justice through a female lens i'm ann doyle did you hear the news that a 19-year-old Belgian-British pilot, Zara Rutherford, recently set a new world record as the youngest woman to fly solo around the world. She made the flight in her one-seater shark micro-light plane in 155 days, with plenty of bad weather to delay her and as many scares as thrills along her way. But she started flying at 14, and when she landed, she dedicated her achievement to all young women trying to succeed in male-dominated sectors like aviation and STEAM-related fields, telling other girls to go for it. I get goosebumps every time I hear about younger and younger women setting records, going after big goals, and achieving leadership roles that my generation of women and so many before us could only dream about or took much longer to achieve. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today with Texan Marsha Clark, who has been coaching, teaching, mentoring, sponsoring, and enabling several generations of women leaders for decades to optimize their potential. Her just released book, Embracing Your Power, A Woman's Path to Authentic Leadership and Meaningful Relationships is the first of three books which will share the valuable content of her Power of Self workshops and programs that have gained international acclaim. Marsha began her career in the corporate world, rising to vice president with EDS, and she founded her own company in 2000 and she hasn't looked back. Marsha and I share a lifelong passion for empowering girls and women to achieve their full potential, which is how we first discovered one another over a decade ago and became friends. Welcome my buddy, Marsha Clark. <laughs> you know, I'm smiling as you read all of that because it really does bring back wonderful memories and just the, the admiration and the respect for the work that you have done and that we have tried to do together and in parallel universes and all of that. And so thank you, Anne, very much for having me uh, on your podcast today. And I think you're doing amazing work in getting information out. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the Maya Angelou quote of when we know better, we do better. So the more we can help people know better, the better off the whole world will be. Well, you and I are both lifelong learners. And so yeah. I learn as much from these conversations as I hope I can pass along to others. So let's get going. Uh, congratulations on your new book, Embracing Your Power. Of course, I have read it. It's loaded with really valuable content, a compelling content. So let's let's start there. You know, my book, Powering Up, came out in 2011, which is over a decade ago. And we have seen dozens and dozens of really valuable books about 
leadership skills and empower women in achieving their full potential. So what is it about your book and, and the two to come that bring additional insight to this ongoing journey for women's personal and leadership development? Well, and I will tell you that both in the programs that I teach and facilitate, as well as the book, that it is the combination of, it's uh, research. We, we don't bring you anything or just tell you based on a one-off situation. So we do deep research. We ensure that we've corroborated the research to make sure it's sound. That's one piece. The second is we do bring anecdotal stories. What we know is that women learn in relationships. So we wanna share stories of real examples. And they're not celebrity examples or you know the ones that just seem so far reaching, but people that, stories that we can relate to that we li are living on a day in and day out basis. And then the third thing is I am big on tools. And the fourth thing is language. So what I have tried to do is bring the academic rigor and discipline, the real life examples and stories. And, not, and that's all in describing what we can do. I wanna help women know how to do it. And that's the feedback that we get from both the book and the courses is that you're helping me know what to say. Is, is it scripted? No, but, but the essence of the messages that we need to communicate to get what we want, to stand up for what we believe in, to have hard conversations. I wanna help you with tools so that you can practice and gain some confidence and you're not starting with a blank sheet of paper all the time. And I know that your first book, Embracing Your Power, that, that's step one, but you have two others that are in the works. And give us sort of a, a picture of the, the three and how I think you have taken this workshop that you've been doing all around the world for decades yes. and saying, okay, let's break this down into pieces for women. So, so, and I just have to give a little bit of a backstory here. So we were in my living room in the year 2000 and we were talking about all the ways it was a group of, of women, my, my, my committee, if you will. And they were from all different walks of life. And we were looking at all the different ways that we could support women. And it was long programs, short programs, angel funding, sponsorships, lunch and learns, books, all of that. And so we wanted to basically have something to offer if we were going to write a book. Some 22 years ago, it was Oprah's book club. So we were like, oh, we're going to write a book and Oprah's going to read it and she's going to give it away and it's going to be a bestseller. And, you know, at the time I said, well, I think we got to do something before we can write a book about it. And so for the last uh, 22 years, I have been running this Power of Self program and it has been brought in-house to companies. We've done shorter versions of it. And I've had women from over 60 countries and I've traveled to 40 countries delivering this. And so I, I have come to understand the universal uh, experience of being a woman in organizational life. And we've tried to capture that. And so the three books are these. So Embracing your power is looking at self-awareness. Who am I as a woman? Who am I as a woman leader? Who am I as a powerful, authentic woman leader? And then the second part of it is the interpersonal relationships. So we're taking self-awareness and interpersonal 
And that's the starting point for everything that I do. It all starts with self-awareness. The research tells us that the biggest derailer or showstopper to effective leadership is lack of self-awareness. So we want to help Mm. women really begin to understand who they are Mm. and not just who they are, but also how they're showing up to other people. Because there's two aspects of awareness in that regard. And then the second book is going to be Expanding Your Power. And the subtitle of that will be A Woman's Opportunity to Inspire Teams and Influence Organizations. So we've gone from, if you can imagine, like a a bullseye target, self-awareness in the middle, interpersonal relationships, team, leading teams, group dynamics, Mm. and then organizational systems. So we keep getting bigger and wider. And then the third book will be Enriching Your Power, A Mm. Woman's Choice to Lift Others Up. And that's the Mm. paying it forward. It's you know, giving a hand up and not a handout. I mean, it's all of those things. And so we want to be able to share examples and experiences and, and, and the value of, of extending that hand and, and, you know, lifting others up. And one of the many things that you really bring to all of this work, Marcia, is not only your, your global experience that you bring into this, but also the generational experiences that we've seen several generations now of women, you know, moving into roles that women never, ever held for hundreds of years. And what do you witness about generational differences? There are more role models available for women to see, more stories to read, more books that are being written and published that give us, you know, just a, a, a view or a peek into what is possible. So I think that in and of itself, young women growing up and seeing women in more powerful positions or positions of influence and impact. And and even the research that has been done, Mm -hmm. so much of the research was on men only. And one generational difference is there are more women role models. The other thing that I love is that young women ask for what they want. And, you know, we never thought we could. (laughs) And, and you and I yeah. are from the same generation and, you know, it's like, I could never ask for that or they, oh, who am I to ask for that? Or they would never give me that. Or I've got to take care of everybody else. I don't ever think about myself. Well, I think, you know, young women today, they, they recognize that don't have to quote unquote, do extraordinary things to earn basic fundamental, you know, resources, access, uh, opportunities, and so on. And then I, I also think our younger generation in total, and this is not just women, but I think there's the, the, the essence of social and conscious capitalism that recognizes that businesses are more than just a job and a paycheck and that they have an opportunity to contribute in a bigger way to making the world a better place. I'm seeing a, a, a change from, and since we're talking about generational, baby boomers to Gen Xers to millennials, that when they reach those positions, those senior positions, that they're doing so with a different mindset. And, you know, the the baby boomer generation learned leadership primarily from the military, and it was a command and control style. And I think Mm -hmm. that women have had a very positive influence on offering a collaborative style to go mm-hmm. along with command and control. There's a place for command and control, but that was dominating everything. And now there's, I think, more space that's been opened up 
for collaboration, which is a more innate or natural way for women to to lead. And I think that's hugely important. Yeah. And your point about uh, there's so many more tools, so many more role models, so many more workshops, etc. Do you ever wonder, Marsha, like what path you would have taken or we would have taken if we had all that? I mean, I'm proud of what I accomplished and I know you are too, but wow, what would have been like if we had such as this, you know, young 19 year old pilot who starts flying at 14 years old. Don't you wish that we had that? Aren't you jealous sometimes? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a story. And this, this has happened in the last couple of years. So the company that I grew up in was there for 21 years, started as a secretary, left as a corporate officer of a Fortune 50 company. Wow. Wow. Right? So I, you know, this yep. is the pioneer, Hell of an achievement. pioneering interlopers, as you call them. That's what it, we were. We had these old timer luncheons because the company got bought by, you know, several people and doesn't exist in its current form. So we, we use, we have these annual lunches. And so there was about 80 of us there and we were trying to get a group photo and, and, you know, it was trying to like herd cats, right? I mean, it was, it was difficult. So I step out in front <laughs> and I'm doing group photos all the time. So I'm saying, all right, you talk, you move this way, you come in here. And I was giving them directions and one of the, the gentlemen, and most of them are 12 to 15 years older than I am. So you, that gives you the age range here. But they yep. said, well, Marsha, if we made you CEO, the company might still be around. <laughs> and, you know, wow. It, it was funny. And yet, yeah, I thought to myself, yeah, probably would. Power. Power yeah. is such an important word. I mean, you put it in your workshop that you started 20 years ago. You kept it in each one of these three books. I put it in my book. Why is it so important? And, and do you think that women still have a very complex relationship with that word? With the word power. Or it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they still do. We leaned into that word. We backed off from that word. We leaned into the word because of... Oh, just that it gives us sort of the shivers when we think about the word. Well, the reason for that is that mm -hmm. most of us have lived an experience of someone having power over us and that they mm -hmm. have often used that power to limit or diminish or squash us, mm. quite honestly. Mm. And so mm -hmm. when we think of power, it brings up all those negative thoughts and feelings and, you know, just the sense of that. And we finally said, look, if it, if it's that charged a word, Let's grab mm -hmm. this. Let's make the Let's most. grab it. And so what, what we do now is talk about what it means to be a powerful woman. But the three kinds of power that I would love your listeners to hear is there's positional power, which is basically that hierarchical model, right? It's the, you know, you're a C-suite, you're an EVP, you're an SVP, you're a VP. And whether you look at business, military, church, government, you know, sports teams, I mean, they're all based on a higher animals, horses. Yeah, right. right. And so that is the water in which women have been swimming for a long time. And Dr. Patricia Himes research calls that a masculine model. And then mm -hmm. if you think about then what the feminine model is, it's a flat structure. So it's a, more of the we're all in this together. And so that's really relational power. So we go from positional power. And one thing I want to say about positional power, someone gives that to us by hiring us in, giving us a job title or whatever. Therefore, 
someone else can take that away from us. Mm, mm-hmm. So, so, so right. it is fleeting, right? The relational mm, power yeah. is me choosing to engage with you and together you and I can do more powerful things than either one of us could do on our own. And this to me is where women supporting women can be, be yeah. exponentially more powerful. And Love then, it. then the third kind of power is personal power. And that's where we spend most of our time. Everything in the book is about, I can be powerful no matter what my title is. I can be powerful in my personal life, my professional life, my community life, my church life, my social life, whatever. And personal power is inside out power. Now, mm. you know, I believe in a, in, in a, a higher being and, and I believe that the greatest gift that God gave me was free will. And it's the free will to choose how I want to live my life. And so me mm-hmm. choosing to use power and for me, it's in service to the larger good. So personal power is mine to hold on to, to share, and we give it away. And one of the things we talk a lot about in the books is how do we not give away our personal power? That's a part of why we're giving tools to help women understand what power they have and how to hold on to that. One of the things that has changed dramatically. And wow. Uh, yes. And I mean, dramatically. I work a lot with the Texas Women's Foundation, do a program with them. And the, the outgoing CEO, she just retired, has this phrase, and I, I use it all the time. When, you get, when a woman gets a seat at the table, scoot over and pull up another chair for another woman. And yeah. we didn't used to think that way, Ann. We, no, was, there was only one chair and we were fighting one, one another chair. for it. That's right. And, and whether we admitted it or not, we wanted that chair, <laughs> right? And we weren't necessarily, we might help other women, but only to a certain point. And, and I think we finally got that unconscious competition and scarcity out on the table. And I think Gail Evans' book about She Wins, You Win was, was at yeah. least a very seminal work for me to say when, when we help other women, all boats rise. We, we create opportunity for everybody. And I think the work that has been, you've done around that, that I've done around that, that others have done around this has really helped enlighten other women. I, I close every one of my podcasts with, Here's to women supporting women, because I think Mm. we've got to do that. And I also think we have to have support systems. We give up our girlfriends. We give up the women in our lives when we get married and we have children and we're working and we're doing all these things. And then who is that tribe? Who is that sisterhood that we can call on that understands what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a woman with a busy, heavy scheduled, you know, everybody wants a piece of me kind of life. And so the importance of women in our lives is, is, is critical and can enable and help us every step of the way. During COVID, what we have just gone through, we have witnessed the disproportionate impact and load that women have felt and carried throughout this. And we've, we've gone through tremendous trauma as a society, as individuals, as families and, and workplaces. Do you think there's any positive or certainly it's an opportunity of learning to come out of this trauma and, and also a recognition of where we are right now? 
Well, I think we're on a sort of a precipice where we can go either way with this. So the, the possibility is that the work from home or work from anywhere concept was proven in no uncertain terms, that, that it is a possibility. And the women are the ones who both carried the heavier load in that with children doing, you know, trying to be schooled from home or the dining room table kind of thing. And yet the fact that I could go <laughs> throw in a load of laundry at lunchtime, you know, or, you know, whatever that might be made my life easier so that when the evening came, I could yeah. spend quality time and not have to make lunches and do the laundry and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I just think that there is a possibility. I will also tell you that I hear from a lot. And so much of this depends on the generation of the executive leadership team, because the older school people mm. want people back in the office and they're claiming that they've got to maintain the culture. And I want to say, what culture is it you're trying to maintain? <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> no? yeah. Good question. Is it convenience that I can walk down the hall and throw something on your desk and ask you to do it? Or is it, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things tied up in that. What I hope is, you know, dress code has always been an issue. And so I, what I love about lots of my clients these days is their dress code policy is dress for your day. And I love that mm. meeting with clients and you need to, you know, dress up a little bit, then do that or whatever. And if you don't, you wear jeans and whatever, but being professional, but you know, you've got flexibility. I trust you as an adult to make a good decision on that. What I'm hearing now is the choose your location for your day. If you need to be in the office, be in the office. If you can work from home, work from home. And so I think mm. uh, the more that we yeah. trust that our, you know, employees and our staffs and our, you know, just everyone is going to make good decisions. We're learning every single day. And yet I think we're, we're at a choice point and I hope we go in the direction of giving more flexibility because I think women have the most to gain from that. I did a, a, a white paper on the fatigue factor <laughs> that has come through all this, the intellectual fatigue of do I, don't I, should I, shouldn't I, how do we handle this? I mean, all the questions that have come up that just require critical thinking, problem solving skills. Then there's the psychological and the emotional fatigue of caring about people, caring about family members that we're losing, that are sick, you know, whatever all that might be. Then there's the um, a, a CEO of a hospital talked about compassion fatigue and the mm. fact that so many bad things are happening and we can't do a darn thing about it. I mean, so there's mm. so much that our, our, our physical resourcefulness, our emotional resourcefulness, we were depleted. We still are. We haven't recovered. And I wanted to share this article with you. It was, it's by uh, a gentleman, Balenson, B-A-I-L-E-N-S-O-N. And, and this was published in 2020, May of 2020. And he talks about the, the virtual platform fatigue. And I just, I think that listeners will find some value in this. He, he cites four things. One of them is the proximity and sustained eye contact required when you're on virtual platforms. When you're in real life, there's lots more things to look at and you're not so close up, right? I mean, we have to sit close wow. to all that kind of stuff. So just the strain that that puts on us. The second is huh. the lack of full range of nonverbal cues. All I can see is this smaller version of you. And that results in a higher cognitive 
load. Now, couple that with men and women in America work on average 58 to 62 hours a week. Women on average work another 35 hours doing things at home, domestic responsibilities. Men on average work another five hours at home. So we already had two full-time jobs. And now these things are putting additional stress on us as women. And that is the load that we're carrying. I thought you said younger women were much better at asking for what they need. I hope they'll ask for what they need at home because we've been talking about this unequal distribution of work at home for decades. There's a lot to be written about a woman's mental load, and we've got to keep pushing that envelope. Before I lose you, I want to get a little sense uh, of you personally and, and the woman that you are today. And I know one of the ways you describe yourself, you'd like to talk about yourself, is as a social justice warrior. So take us back to what you remember about that little girl, Marsha, and what you say, yeah, I guess I can see, or anybody who knew me back then, why I would become the compassionate, generous, thoughtful, woman who cares so much about others. I do remember that little girl. I think we all, she's inside all of us, right? And I had a special needs sister and I was six years old when she was born. She died when she was 18. She still was taking a bottle, still had to be fed, still wore diapers to give you a sense of special needs. I will tell you what my sister Erin was her name, what she taught me. She taught me a sense of responsibility, you know, to take care of another person who could not take care of themselves. And there are people throughout our world that are in that position for various reasons and to varying degrees. She also taught me unconditional love and she taught me compassion. We didn't go out to eat very often, but we have we have been asked to leave restaurants as a family because her presence made others in the restaurant uncomfortable. Wow. And there were other kids that made fun of her. And I just want to say that that is what compassion and, and that is what has made me willing to stand up for what I believe in. And I believe that it is our responsibility to take care of each other. Those are the experiences that have made me who I am today. And I still think back to those and, and recognize where, where, where they come from. And I, you know, there are a lot of people, we feel sorry for those who might be, you know, disabled or special needs in some way. And they, they are a gift to us if we see it. Well, that's beautiful. How can people reach you who want to uh, know more about you, about your workshops, and uh, about your wonderful new book, Embracing Your Power? So the book is available on Amazon, uh, Embracing Your Power by Marsha L. Clark. I am kind of happy, can I say, that we've reached Amazon bestseller status in two categories. <laughs> sure. You can find the book at Marsha Clark and Associates.com. Com. My podcast is a weekly podcast that drops on Wednesday. We started this last September and it's called Your Authentic Path to Powerful Leadership. The, the three words, women, power, leadership, or four words, authentic, are in everything I do. And so the podcast is, it's a bit about the book and yet we go beyond the book. So final thought, Marcia, what do you want people to remember from this conversation? 
One, I want women to define success based on their own terms, not trying to live by somebody else's definition of who they should be. That to, to be our best selves is to be authentic. And that's the part that I really want women to get from our work. I think it's really important for us to know our values and live our values. And that requires us to stand up and speak up and on behalf of ourselves as well as others. And then I encourage every woman to have a, a robust toolkit full of frameworks and checklists and questions and, and quotes and music and everything that can inspire us to do good things. And good leaders have a robust toolkit. Great leaders know what tool to use when. And again, I want to say leadership. And when I use the word leaders, it's a way in which we choose to live our lives, not a box on an org chart or a job title. And be clear, ask for what you want. And then Acknowledge that we have power, understand what that power is, and then embrace it and use it for good in the world. Awesome. Well, thank you, Marsha Clark, author of Embracing Your Power, A Woman's Path to Authentic Leadership and Meaningful Relationships. It's an outstanding book, which I read, I learned from, and I marked up, and I hope you will too. Our podcast is recorded through the Motor City Woman Studios right here in my home base of Detroit. Come visit us in Michigan. Motown is on the rise. Thanks for joining us at Power Up Women. We are now in our third season with over 100 episodes. So we hope you'll keep listening, share us with your network, and help us spread the word by rating us on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. Make sure you reach back and lift others as you climb. I'm Ann Doyle.